It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Oh, you do you not want theme music? Or? I mean, as much theme music as you want, John. Whatever you want to do, I'm pro. That's it. That's our official theme song right there. <laughs> okay, so welcome to the Yankees Magazine podcast, where we, the editors of Yankees Magazine, take you deeper into the current issues. My name is Hillary Georgie. I'm the associate editor of Yankees Magazine, I think. That's what it is. And I am joined by Nathan Makaborski and John Schwartz, if you guys want to introduce yourselves. I'm Nathan Makaborski, the executive editor of Yankees Magazine, coming up on my uh, 10-year anniversary with the New York Yankees this September, and uh, excited to be doing this, our first Yankees Magazine podcast. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor for Yankees Magazine. This is my third? Fourth. This is my fourth opening day. We started at the same time. <laughs> this is my fourth opening day, and I'm already doing my first podcast, which makes me six years better than Nate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Okay, so this month, the yearbook is coming out. The April issue of Yankees Magazine is coming out, and let's talk a little bit about the yearbook first. If, Nate, you want to jump in here. Yeah, well, we're always very excited when our yearbook is about to come out, but this year I feel like we're especially excited. I think that we tried to reflect that uh, with the 2017 yearbook. Starting with the cover, we sort of honed in on a theme of, uh, you know, the excitement around the youth, but also wanting to always be cognizant of our history here. On the cover, you'll see that there's a really striking image of Yankee Stadium. It's a nighttime scene where there's a crowd outside uh, along 161st Street outside Gate 6, and the stadium just kind of looms large on the right side of the frame and it's there's a great glow emanating from the great hall and there's just a, an aura of of excitement and anticipation I think but what I really love about this photo is that it, it does evoke our history to me you know I've seen photos that we've run in other Yankees publications of Yankee Stadium from back in the 1930s when you would see almost the mirror image of this just across the street where Yankee Stadium would loom large on the left side of the frame and there'd be a crowd outside and you could see 161st Street and you could see the apartment buildings in Manhattan in the background and this is almost the the same type of shot. The attire has certainly changed. You can see how crowds... uh, you know, dress differently now than they used to. A lot less hats. Yes. There, there, there's baseball caps instead of fedoras, and there's uh, pinstripe jerseys with numbers on the backs instead of suit and ties. And electric lighting. And electric lighting, <laughs> right? There were, it was People have been coming to this place for a long time to have fun and to watch their Yankees play is something really exciting. I think it's interesting, too, because obviously with the Yankees magazine, we're able to every month come up with a new story and the new hot topic. With the yearbook, when we get together to do this over the course of the entire offseason, you're trying to pick somehow an image that's going to mean as much on opening day as it does in October or beyond. 
this is supposed to be singular image, if you will, of the 2017 Yankees season. And I think one thing we confronted this year, which is both a challenge and fun, is that there's so much transition going on this year. I think that I join everyone here when I say that I expect this team is going to look a lot different in August than it does now. And the storylines are going to be different than they are in August than they are now. So I think this is going to be something that resonates throughout the year and beyond. Yeah, so when you're at Yankee Stadium and you're walking through the concourse and you see this on the newsstand, I think it's really going to attract your eye because we did the crowd and this sidewalk scene in black and white, but we left the stadium in this beautiful gold nighttime glow uh, in full color. And the gate six, the entrance in the, the neon blue is in full color. And we added some gold foil treatment to the lettering on the cover. So I think this thing's really going to pop. I think people, you know, whether you're a, a collector of yearbooks and you have everyone going back to the 50s or you're just coming to Yankee Stadium for the first time and you want to take home a really awesome keepsake, uh, I think this is a, a publication that a lot of people are really going to be thrilled about. But also the contents inside, which are phenomenal as well, if you want to get into that. Uh, I know we have a special section in this yearbook dedicated specifically to the youth movement that the Yankees are going through right now that a lot of us are really excited about. I know John wrote a good story about Gleyber Torres. We've got a Sanchez feature in there. I wrote a story about kind of the support systems that the minor leaguers use to get through the levels of the minor leagues, including mental conditioning and education and all that stuff. So we've got a lot of really cool, really unique content inside. Yeah, Hillary, let's put you on the spot right away because I really found the uh, support system story to be an interesting way of talking about this. I think this is going to become a key theme of this year is not just what these kids are doing on the field, but how it happens. Was there one story that stuck out to you that a guy told you about something he had to overcome or a hardship that he had to learn about? Tyler Austin is is kind of an interesting case because Tyler Austin was a huge, huge prospect for most of his time in the minor leagues, but he wound up being designated for assignment at one point because he really fell off. And and Tyler Austin is also an interesting case because he is a cancer survivor. He got diagnosed with cancer at 17 years old. And he came back from that and, and had a great beginning to his minor league career and then really struggled. And he had to overcome those struggles. He fell from being one of the highest ranked prospects to being not even on the Yankees roster anymore. So that was really hard for him, he said. Once I got a double A, I think that's when I started struggling um, and really having to understand the mental side of the game because this game is it's, it's hard. So I'd say when I got a double A is when, when I finally had to really start buckling down and focusing on my uh, mental, uh, focusing on the mental aspect of the game. And he leaned on his family, his girlfriend he talked about. He leaned on the, the mental conditioning staff led by Chad Bowling and, and Chris Passarella and those guys who work with the team in Tampa. All the way through the levels, there's guys from the mental conditioning staff that work at every single level that the Yankees play at. Single A, double A, triple A, all the way, Gulf Coast League, everywhere. The mental conditioning guys make stops and, and they're there a couple times a month to check in with these guys and they're always available via phone via email so Tyler Austin used those guys a lot and he I mean get to the major leagues and have a huge impact last season when he got here but we also have two features that are just specifically on single players one of them being the piece that you did John about Glaber Torres what would you say was sort of the most eye-opening thing reporting on and speaking to this 20 year old kid with such high expectations well I can tell you two things first off first things when I started speaking to him he wasn't even a 20 year old kid he was a 19 year old kid 
and I am no expert on the Chicago Cubs farm system, so my knowledge of him pretty much was that when the trade with when the trade was made, all the people who give a thumbs up or thumbs down to this thing gave it a pretty significant thumbs up. I flew down to Tampa the next week and I got some time with him and it was like a punch to the face just how impressive this kid was. The story that I tell in my feature, but also that I think really stands out to me and in speaking to other people stood out to them too, was I remember I was with the photographer and we were standing on second base at a GMS field getting a photo shoot ready and we're just making small talk with Glaber and he's completely engaged easily talking to us no problem and then we get done with the photo shoot and I figured we were going to sit down and do the interview and he called over a translator and you know my first instinct was hmm, that's interesting it seems like we were communicating pretty well and you always kind of hope that you don't have to use an interpreter unless necessary because it can make it a little harder to communicate and get a natural conversation but this was a 19 year old kid saying every word I say is important and I want to be I want my words to come out correctly and I want to make sure that the things that are important to me that I'm saying are the same things he's going to hear and I think that's a really mature stance to take and I think it's the proper stance to take and I was impressed by him doing that I've had the chance since then to speak with him in Arizona during the Arizona Fall League, where he was the MVP and the batting champ, despite being the youngest player in the league. I've had the chance to speak to him in Tampa this past spring training, and I just get come back more and more impressed every time I talk to him. He is 20 years old, and he's showing that he can hit wherever he's been, but he is also just completely showing that he can fit in wherever he goes. He's popular in the clubhouse. His teammates like him. He doesn't seem shy. He doesn't seem, you know, to fall into some of the rookie, you know, traps of putting your head in your locker and not engaging with everything. And I think he's going to be a mate. I think he's going to be a great player. I think he's going to be a great personality here. And I'm excited to see whenever he does come up. And Glaber, that Torres feature also is in the April issue of Yankees Magazine, which comes out opening day, same day as the yearbook. Gary Sanchez is featured in the yearbook as well and on the cover of the April issue of Yankees Magazine. But that's just one of the many features in the April issue of Yankees Magazine. Nate, I know you got to talk to Matt Holliday mm-hmm. for the April issue. What was Matt like? I know he's he's uh, he's been around a long time, so how did he seem to you when you talked to him? Yeah, I had a chance to sit down with Matt and uh, do a one-on-one with him down in Tampa during spring training. And... The time just flew by. I mean, I could have sat there and talked to him all day (laughs) because, like you said, I mean, the guy has so much experience. He's been in so many big games throughout his career. I mean, even if you're just a casual baseball fan who who turns on the TV in October, uh, I mean, how many times did we see the Cardinals there and, you know, batting fourth or whatever in the middle of the lineup, you saw Matt Holliday's name and, and playing left field. So, you know, I was really excited to get a chance to just talk to him about basically his whole journey up to this point. You've heard Joe Girardi and Brian Cashman talk about the need for really that kind of leadership in the, in the clubhouse. Um, so I just kind of was really excited to talk to Matt about some of those experiences. And I certainly, you know, didn't have time to get to all of them. And we nearly almost got off on the really the wrong foot because... Uh, Matt is an Oklahoma native, as you might know, mm-hmm. and his family is really kind of synonymous with Oklahoma State 
baseball and Oklahoma State in general. Uh, his father was a coach there for years and years uh, for a program that had a lot of success. Um, Matt's brother, Josh, played there and is now the head coach there. And so really he just grew up like in Stillwater, around the team, around the university, going to games. And so I asked him, you know, uh, going to Sooners games and stuff. Cowboys. Cow, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh man, that's that's a bad slip. Yeah. You can tell I'm from up here, yeah. <laughs> Jersey. <laughs> yeah, Cowboys games. Yeah, that was our uh, that was our deals. Yeah, but he we laughed it off. So many. He's been involved in so many big spots from the 2007, uh, the end of the regular season when he was in that crazy game against. It was he was with the Rockies. That's who he came up with and played against the Padres. They had to play 163rd game to decide the, the wild card. And Rockies fell behind by two in the 13th and Holiday triples to tie it up and then slides face first with the winning run. And they end up going to the World Series that year. Literally um, left his blood on the plate. Uh, yeah. I mean, he played on Team USA in the first World Baseball Classic. He played here at the old stadium uh, in the 2008 All-Star game, hit a home run in that game, on and on and on. And really what it all boils down to is all that experience is definitely going to help the Yankees this, this year, I feel like. I mean, there's, you, you can't imagine a spot that he would be in that would be too big for him or that he wouldn't be able to help out a younger guy who hasn't been in that spot before by sharing you know, some of his knowledge and experience. Do you think he looks forward to the chance to be a full-time or pretty much a full-time DH this year? Um. I mean, I think the guy is a, a professional hitter. I mean, he's a career 303 hitter. So he's the type of hitter who's, uh, he's got, you know, a lot of gap power. Uh, a lot of his home runs have been opposite field. A lot of his big home runs were, you know, went over the right field wall, which, you know, a lot of uh, people have said Yankee Stadium is good for. So he's excited about hitting at Yankee Stadium. He's played about 1,700 games in left field in his career. So I imagine being the type of competitor and the type of athlete he is, he's probably not super thrilled to just be saying, uh, you know, I'm not going to play the field anymore. But how many times have we seen that, uh, you know, the plans don't always go according to plan. So we might not have seen the last of Matt Holiday in the field. Who knows what's going to happen? I mean, he's an impressive baseball player, no doubt. But I I'm kind of interested in him as a person. He seems like just a genuinely good person as well. He really is. Uh, that that was the impression I got. Again, this is the first time I had met him. You know, after practice was over, he came and we sat down at a little table and, you know, I kept checking my recorder. I know, you know, these guys are busy and they have families. He's got four kids at home. He has other things to do. But uh, he couldn't have been more gracious with his time. I also learned about, um, in preparing for the interview, uh, some of the work that he had done off the field in St. Louis and just really remarkable stuff. I mean, the the charity that he set up um, to help kids, um, sick kids at a hospital in St. Louis uh, was just really moving. And uh, he set it up in a way that it could continue after he left. So some of his ex-Cardinals teammates are sort of carrying it on. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, which I thought was really cool. He never seemed like the most bubbly or fun first uh, player, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden today we see him playing the Zach Galifianakis role in the hangover <laughs> skit that the uh, Yankees on Demand crew did as a promo for this season. Did you get to see that side of him at all? Because he really nailed it. It wasn't exactly, you know, stand-up comedy hour, but, uh, <laughs> you know, like I said, we were able to laugh about a couple things, and um, he was really candid and really 
you know, open and honest when he talked about um, getting traded from Oakland. I was expecting him to say, yeah, you know, it's tough to have to move in the middle of a season. He was like, I was thrilled. I couldn't wait to get out of there. <laughs> so um, I think he's just going to be a great fit in this clubhouse. I mean, if, if you can't get along with a teammate like Matt Holiday, <laughs> the problem is probably not Matt. Also, with Matt Holiday's sense of humor and Greg Bird's sense of humor, I think you got a dark horse comedy tour going on down there. For sure. I think the thing that uh, I took from my experience with Matt Holiday at spring training, I don't remember what day it was, but during BP, he crushed the ball so hard that it hit the top of the GMS field scoreboard. And we literally all watched as some pieces of wood. We didn't know what it was exactly, whether it was from the cock or whether it was from just the bridge motif on the scoreboard as some of it came falling down. And everyone who was watching started cracking up. And I went to him afterward and I asked him, I was kind of joking that he was the new guy and he broke the scoreboard. And he seemed to have no idea that he had hit that or done anything. And from my perspective, if you hit a ball that far, you don't take your next 10 swings because you're still watching it and laughing about it. But for him, I guess he somehow hit a ball that hard and didn't even notice it. So I'd watch out in the left field bleachers this year. I mean, again, he is huge. He, yes. He's got a lot of power. He's, I mean, I'm excited to watch him. Yeah. I mean, he just – he really goes about it the right way. I think he's going to be a great fit here. should be fun to see what he does. I think between him and Bird and Sanchez, we have a middle of the order that is certainly going to be exciting to watch. It's definitely going to be a fun season. Coming up next, I've got a really fun interview with team translator Marlon Abreu. Then we'll talk about what storylines we're most excited about this season. So stick around. Joe Girardi and I have a lot in common. Here's just one quick example. Neither of us speaks Spanish. But do you know who does? Gary Sanchez. Actually, Gary almost exclusively speaks Spanish. He knows a bit of English, sure. But if Joe Girardi needs to give him a piece of information during a game that could impact whether the Yankees win or lose, what does he do? Or, more selfishly, what if I want to interview the star catcher? Enter Marlon Abreu the Yankees bilingual media relations coordinator and all around wonderful person. I, I understood that I needed to get to know these guys. I needed to let them see me as a person that they can trust. In 2016, Marlon moved from the IT department at Yankee Stadium into his current role as a full-time translator for the many Spanish-speaking players in the Yankees clubhouse. Marlon is in the dugout for every game, often called on to relay instructions from coaches to players on the field or in the dugout, which is important work and potentially has an impact on the wins and losses column. Maybe, you know, that one move is the, is the key to the game. Maybe we win the game because of that move. But some of the more important work that Marlon does happens during the hours before and after the games, when guys are just hanging in the clubhouse, forming bonds that fans hope build into the mythical chemistry that can carry a team all the way to the playoffs and beyond. With Marlon always nearby, a language barrier that might have prohibited a friendship all but disappears. You can, you can be the bridge between the relationship between these two guys that otherwise it wouldn't happen if they're not there because they don't, they're not capable of communicating with, with each other. During spring training, I talked to Marlon about his role with the team and just how meaningful it all is for him personally and for the Yankees as a whole. Here's some of our conversation. I am a bilingual media relations coordinator right now. That's my title. And of my responsibilities, obviously, is to be the interpreter. 
for the for the Yankees. But you started with the Yankees. Tell me what what year you started, and you started in IT, right? Yes. So this is my fifth season with the Yankees. I started back in 2013. At that time, I joined the technology uh, department, and I was a system engineer. And what did the the interpreting opportunity come up? What was that process? Yeah. I was just doing my job down at the clubhouse. At that time, we hired a new video coordinator for the team, and I was helping him out with the computers down there. We were uh, updating and fixing some of the computers down there in the video room. And uh, it's actually the uh, the team secretary, Ben Solovitz, just the one who uh, who told me about the position. Basically, gave me all the information about this new position that was being created throughout baseball. He basically asked me, hey, you know, are you interested? Would you want to do something like this? Mm-hmm. And at, at the beginning, I thought he was joking around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, interpreting and IT are completely different streets, you know? Right. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I guess you interpret yeah. Macs and PCs. It's not the same? Or... Yeah, I guess. I guess, <laughs> right? Yeah, you could say that. Uh, but yeah, you know, at the beginning, I thought he was joking. And then when I realized that he was actually being serious, I told him, it's Friday. Let me let me go home. Let me think about it over the weekend. And I'll get back to you on Monday. I have uh, went home, uh, spoke to my wife, uh, told her uh, about the possibility of maybe getting this job and what uh, what the responsibilities were, you know, those, but the big one was being away from home, you mm-hmm. know, for five months of the year. Then Monday came and I, you know, decided to, to, to go for it. Well, she was very supportive, you know, without her saying, uh, giving me a green light, there's no way that I could, I could do this. How many languages do you speak? Obviously for the team, you're, you're doing Spanish, <laughs> correct? Yeah. So I only speak two. Okay. So where did yeah. you grow up? What's your first language? So first language is Spanish. Mm-hmm. I grew born in Dominican Republic, and I moved to New York when I was 12. I've been in New York ever since. Before uh, moving to New York, I had taken English classes in school. So uh, when I got to New York, it, I wasn't, you know, a blank piece of paper. I knew some words. I definitely did not have the the accent or you know the strict lingo of New York City, mm-hmm. but but I had a good understanding. So it was it was easier for me, you know, within a year to I would go and be speaking in in school with with my friends. Right. So when you were growing up, was the dream? Well, you know, coming from the Dominican Republic, you know, everybody plays baseball over there. So growing up, I wanted to be a baseball player. Mm-hmm. That was my dream. Uh, you know, to make it to the big leagues, become a Hall of Famer, all that. So I had a, I played a lot of baseball as a kid. So that was a dream. Sounds like you're at batting practice right now or in the cage. I am in the cage, yes. We have a pretty big uh, <laughs> cage here. and There's some guys far away doing the uh, pre-game warm-up. Yeah, I can hear them uh, hitting the balls. So my, yeah, that leads yeah, yeah. to my question. You went from working in IT in like an office that, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't even have windows, right? And now you're, yeah. you're with the team every day. You're like at batting yeah. practice. You're, you're in yeah. the dugout during every game. What was What's that transition like? 
Well, it's I like being outside, and that's one of one of the reasons why. At the end, it was easy for me to say yes to this petition because I like to be outside. Well, I enjoy the sport. I like to, to, to be out, to swim, to go to the beach, to swim in the pool. So going from an office with no windows to being outside, you know, pretty uh, pretty easy to trade, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you got to sit in the house every night. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, being in the dugout, being able to help with the guys that are not fluent in, in English and whenever there's a game impacting decision that I'm there and I'm able to help just a little bit with the little bit that I can do and just make sure that the guy knows the strategy that the coach is telling him and that he fully understands, you know, what's going to be the next move. And maybe, you know, that one move is the is the key to the game. You know, maybe we win the game because of that move. So just being part of that is, is special to me. So it must mean that you have kind of a close relationship with a lot of these guys. You're their vehicle to, to connect with their managers, the other players, coaches, fans, everybody. Yeah, you well, from the get-go, I... I understood that if I wanted to be good at interpreting, I, I needed to build relationships with the players because there's no way that I could do my job if they don't trust me. Mm-hmm. So from the very beginning, I I understood that I needed to get to know these guys. I needed to let them see me as a person that they can trust so that I could earn their trust and have an easy working relationship with the guys. And that's, I think that's the key, you know. If you really want to be good, you have to let them see you for who you are and having them understand that you're there to help them so that they can look good, so the team looks good, so that they're prepared, mm-hmm. you know, before they do their interviews. I've been in conversations that are that just happened generically. They were probably my best work mm-hmm. because I was just walking by and I see that maybe one player is, is asking Spanish player something, mm-hmm. and he doesn't he doesn't understand you know what the American player is asking. But walking by on my way to the bullpen or something like that, and he'll pull me aside. So right there, I, I help commit the communication between them too and it turns out that five four minutes into the conversation they both realized that they they both like to fish (laughs) you know and like although they're from different countries and different cultures but they both like to go fish and that's that's unique you know that's it's one of the uh, benefits of having an interpreter with the team at all times because you find yourself in situations where you can help, you can, you can be the bridge between the relationship between these two guys that otherwise it wouldn't happen if they're not there because they don't, they're not capable of communicating with with each other. Just to learn about your teammate, you know, about certain things that you have in common. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, that's how you build a friendship. If you think back to our school days, that's how you uh, made a friend. You know, you started talking about maybe riding a bike and you like to ride a bike and your friend likes to ride a bike. And next thing you know, you're riding bikes together, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And that's your best friend for life. So uh, being in, being around, being in the middle of it, you know, being able to help somebody uh, learn about it, help the players learn, learn about each other, you know, the activities that they like to do besides baseball, it's, it's unique. 
Okay, guys. So this season is coming up real quick, couple days away. What do you think are going to be some of the biggest storylines? What are you guys excited to cover? Who are you excited to cover, I guess? Well, I know for me, I can't wait to watch Masahiro Tanaka take the mound anytime he pitches. Uh, it's such an interesting guy on and off the field. But, I mean, on the field, he's such a competitor and a guy who's never willing to just rest on his laurels. He's always looking to kind of innovate in certain ways. And I just think he's one of the most uh, you know, intriguing storylines in any given year but this year especially i'm looking forward to how he follows up a really strong 2016 yeah he's he's a quiet ace and he he doesn't get a lot of attention i know he had amazing year last season he was in cy young contention for a while and he's quiet in the clubhouse but he leads by example he's there he's always kind of working he's stretching he's doing everything that he should be doing and he performs on the mound which is always exciting to watch Yeah, I think that, you know, it took a little while to get to know exactly what kind of pitcher he was going to be, and that's always the case when they come over from Japan. You never know exactly what they're going to look like when they're actually on the mound, and I think you get to last year where he was a bona fide ace every time he was on the mound. I think it's going to be a very interesting year for him, so I'm looking forward to seeing it. And he clicks. I mean, you see him in the clubhouse, and he's friendly. He talks to people. Even though he's he speaks Japanese, he's really picked things up, and he seems to get along with everybody he's always laughing that's for sure yeah Yeah. he's a jokester he's been known to pull some pranks and the days he's not pitching he's he's always got a smile you know he's he's a great presence in that clubhouse and his teammates the coaching staff everybody who works with him here they all love him so uh really excited to see what he brings to the mound this year it's gonna be fun to watch this year john what do you think about greg bird i actually think that greg bird not just one of the most interesting stories in the Yankees clubhouse. I think he's one of the most interesting stories in baseball this year. I think that, I mean, it was a long time ago, but it's you know easy to forget almost how incredible the end of 2015 was for him. And then he spent all last year away, and I'm really excited to see how he comes back and is able to perform this year. He looked amazing in spring training. I think he hit seven home runs or something like that his power bats there he's acting like himself again I spent a lot of time with him in the last year working on a story and you know it it was a tough because he was away for a long time and he had never experienced that and he was very open with how difficult he found it mentally to be away from the team and you can see watching him in spring training how happy he was to be back Uh, that first the first time he hit a home run in spring training I think he hit two that day and it's that excited about spring training home runs, so it's going to be pretty interesting to see how he reacts uh, to being back on the lines on opening day. I think it's going to be a great story if he keeps hitting like he did in Tampa. 1-1 pitch. Swung on, and that one is crushed to right field, and that one is gone. A three-run shot this time for Greg Bird. He has two home runs and five RBIs, and the Yankees lead it 5 to nothing. I think it's going to be an awesome year for him. I'm excited to watch it. I'm excited to watch Greg. I'm excited to watch all the young guys. I think this is going to be such a fun clubhouse. Uh, These young guys are going to infuse so much energy. And I I think the team's only going to get younger as the season goes on. Guys are going to come up from the minors, and they're going to have an impact. And I think that's going to be huge for the whole season. It's going to be something to watch out for, and I'm excited to see that. 
But don't sleep on CC Sabathia either. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how he keeps continuing to find his game as he gets older and his stuff changes a lot and his arsenal is definitely not what it was. But, you know, he found a way last year to be a really effective pitcher for most of the season. He wasn't awesome this spring, but I think that you know, he's confident and I think that a lot of Yankees fans are confident and his teammates are confident that he can still be CC in a lot of ways. I think it's going to be interesting to watch. I think a lot of the focus is going to be on the bullpen and on the young guys in the clubhouse. But a guy like CC, he's always going to he's always going to bring it. I think so. That'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, with him in the rotation, Masahiro in the rotation, you got Pineda in there, and then there's a couple open spots right now that we don't know about. But eventually this season, a couple guys are going to step up, and those two spots are going to be huge. And that's going to be interesting to see who makes the leap and who sticks around for a while. I think that'll be cool. Let's go play some baseball. Let's play ball, guys. This is going to be fun. Let's do it. Awesome. Bye, everybody. Thanks, John. <laughs> hey, fans. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be coming at you all season with more podcasts that'll include behind-the-scenes info, player interviews, and maybe some offbeat stuff as well. To make sure you don't miss a minute, hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this. And be sure to check out all of the Yankees Magazine content online and in print. You can find our long-form content at yankees.com slash magazine. And you can subscribe to Yankees Magazine by heading to yankees.com slash publications or calling 800-GO-YANKS. Copies of the magazine are always on sale at the stadium as well. So when you're checking out a game, be sure to pick up the latest issue. Thanks, fans. See you soon.